episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, good morning. Welcome back to Cake for Breakfast. How is everyone's day going so far? Mm, that is good. Man, days I record the show, I go, there's down the block, there's a place, uh, like a little coffee shop I like. And I'm not like, a, I don't get up in the morning and need coffee, but I'll, I'll love treating myself to like kind of a sweet, like a sugary, yummy coffee. And I'm addicted to these Spanish lattes. And I like the drink, like, I would say dark and sweet. And this one guy just makes it. He's like, there you go. Good luck today. So sweet. And he always puts a heart on my coffee. So sweet. Mm, but that is really good. Spanish latte. Okay, wow. I am still kind of winding down, <laughs> decompressing from my week so far. I feel like I've been running all over the city. I've been taking the subway, which I never do. I manage kind of to get around without it. But it's just been like busy, busy, busy. As I said on Tuesday's show, Cake for Breakfast was given a media pass to cover the NFT conference in New York City this week. And it's honestly been a really great opportunity mainly because it got me the chance to shake Mr. Quentin Tarantino's hand. <laughs> Honestly, highlight probably so far. All right, so like I said on Tuesday's show, this event is packed, like bursting at the seams. Now, I'm not a great one to give like estimates or averages because I really, I know there's people in industries that are like big into the conference thing. Finance, that wasn't really a thing, the type of finance I was in, just because we were like direct to hedge fund managers. So I don't know, maybe more so, but yeah. So I don't have a lot of experience in the conferencing arena, but they have three venues going from 8.30 in the morning till six at night, actually even later, some nighttime ones. And there's three different speakers in three Broadway, uh, not stadiums, but uh, theaters at a time. And they're all packed. Like I've seen all of them. They're all like packed to the very back and people are there with their notes, like, I like that. I like that energy. It's actually kind of a cool vibe. It makes you feel excited about something. The average age is younger. I'm going to say this crowd reminds me of people who maybe missed out on the Bitcoin money and they're like, this is the next thing. Like, let's do it. Let's go. Now there's different opinions, right? Like uber fancy Wall Street. Those guys are like, don't even talk on NFTs at all. Like not in their game. But like I said before, when I was uh, around 2015, 2016, people started talking about Bitcoin and the upper echelon group I was in, they all kind of like turned their nose up at. And now like, I don't know, didn't Fidelity buy into Bitcoin or can't you buy it through Fidelity, which is supposed to be, you know, they manage your uber, uber retirement money. Like that's supposed to be the safest haven, places like that. And they're all buying into Bitcoin. So you never know. You truly never know. Now, will I be buying NFTs anytime soon? No, it's, I'm not super into art though either. So that might have something to do with it, but the whole thing has been great. I liked the, some of the speakers I saw. Let's talk first on like the big names that are there. So first up, we had Gary Vaynerchuk. He's like a celebrity entrepreneur. I'm gonna put it down a notch. He's a little self-indulgent for my taste, but nonetheless draws like a serious crowd anywhere he goes. He is actually from Belarus, so an immigrant kid, which I respect. Oh, he actually founded Resi. I didn't realize that, co-founded Resi. Super, super legit. Literally the only way you can make restaurant reservations in like New York and LA and I think another big, uh, you, like San Francisco, you need Resi. Like there's no one, there's not a lot of people at restaurants anymore like picking up the phone, like everyone's pivoted to this app and it's super user-friendly. I'm like a hater of 
apps and technology. I'd rather deal with the person, but the technology on this on this platform is actually really good. Interesting. Oh, and he just closed that in 2019. So I wonder if he just made his money. Okay, so then he also co-founded a company called Empathy Wines. I'm not a wino, so can't really speak to the legitimacy of it. Sounds like he closed in 2020. Oh, it was acquired though by Constellation Brands. So that that's super legit. So both deals, 2020. Oh, and his family also founded a retail wine business. So he obviously grew up in that hustle, but he grew up in Queens, immigrant family coming over from Soviet Union at three or four years of age. I'm sure there was a ton of hustle in that household. I don't think he was like a a snotty private school New York kid by any means. So that respect. But Gary's like big golden goose egg was Vayner Media, which is a social media focused ad agency. What does that mean? I have no idea, but he is rich and powerful and everyone knows his name. He's got like 10 to 15 million followers on Instagram. So he must've done something, right? My only pushback on his stuff is he really, really sells cool to kids and I'll leave it there. But he does have an ability to really rally people, and I respect that. Everyone wanted to be, including myself, I went to the very first event uh, based on Gary being there, based on his social media presence, based on his name. Like, he's got a lot going for him, so yeah. And he's running around the conference. I guess he does this thing where he holds bottle of wines and fills people want, people's glasses of wine up. He, he really hypes an event, so in that respect, go Gary. All right, so then the big announcement happened quietly because it was kind of a secret that Quentin Tarantino would be attending a private event at a place called The New House, which is super sexy venue. It's like an elevated Soho house experience. Um, when I walked in, Cara Delevingne was there. It's very like, give us eat, like a blood sample at the front to make sure you're cool. So I was like, there's no way I'm getting in. Everyone was kind of hustling to this venue as soon as they heard. And I was like turning beat red, like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get in. And then I was like, what do I say? What do I say? Because I really needed to be, I felt like Quentin Tarantino is the main scene at this event. Like I would die to get him on the podcast. I would have so many questions for him. I love him so much. And situations like that you just sort of need to go for in life like if that that was my goal I was like I would love the opportunity just to be around him and I also heard that Mike Novogratz was going to be speaking at this thing too and I've been trying to get Mike um, on the podcast for a while he's like a big Bitcoin guy super smart in the industry and like legit like a legit guy so anyway the two of them being there I was like I have to get in I went to the door I was like hi I'm here with Quentin Tarantino they're like yep go around and I was like Oh my God, it worked. Um, so then I was like, you know, when you're like lurking, you're like, every, it's a members club. So everyone here like just stares at you. Like who did they just let walk through the door? And then I went to the bathroom to like fix my lipstick and fix my hair. And I was like, okay, you just got to figure it out where it is. I go upstairs. There's like this, as that scene would call like this intimate setting or intimate conversation. So like probably 30 chairs and then like cameras. And I was like, okay, they're going to be like, where's your ticket? I was like, hi. And the woman said, I'm here from, uh, she's like, hi, I'm here welcoming people from WME. I was like, okay, now I'm out of here. And they're like, okay, come sit or go sit in this section. And I sat and I had the option. I was like, there's second row or first row. And I'm like, I'm just going to go for it. Sit down in the front row. I'm having like a heart attack. Every time somebody walks up to me, I'm like, okay, they're going to ask like, why are you in the front row? Why are you here? Face was going beet red. Everyone comes in. Start, and I have my huge sunglasses on because my face, my face was like 
burning up to a point where I was like, I look like something's wrong with me. So I put on my sunglasses to calm down. And then the, there's like all these cameras and this woman, this woman came over and she was like, excuse me, can we take your picture? And then somebody else. So then everyone like that was sitting, like thought I was somebody. And I was just like, I was literally, literally dying inside. Oh my God. It was hilarious. Anyway. So we sat and then it's cause I have my big glasses on, but I literally did it just cause I was having a panic attack. I really wanted to hear uh, Quentin Tarantino speak. So basically he was speaking on that he is going to be entering the NFT world. He's going to sell seven stills from his super famous movie, Pulp Fiction. He's going to get into the game and he's the first or second guy to do this. But like Quentin Tarantino is such a legend and he's, it's sort of like, it reminds me of, um, you know, when like Neil Young will sell his music catalog, it has that same type of vibe to it, I would say. So they all come down, they sit down. It was like an hour conversation. And I really liked how Quentin talked on like being a filmmaker in the old world. He brought up this one particular story that really made me think. He said, I think once upon a time in Hollywood was like the last movie to get through the window. Like the window was closing on the old style of filmmaking where you get like a studio or whatever to do to do your show, to go into theaters, to go into festivals. He said the window was closing, 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 once upon a time snuck through and then it slammed shut and all these birds came and hit the window and, and are falling down now. Cause that old filmmaking is done, streaming is what's in front of us. I don't think he's super comfortable with it. I don't think he's like overly excited about the pivot, but you know, he said for a long time now he only has one movie left. So it will be really interesting to see who gets that final movie. Is he gonna like sell out to Netflix or is he gonna be who Quentin Tarantino is? Like, you know, the godfather of the independent movie. Will he raise money himself and do festivals? Like, I don't think he knows what he's doing yet, but I will be watching every step of the way. He had a great presence to him. Like everybody, I didn't know anyone else there. Him and Mike, like I've followed Mike for a long time. Mike would be like the Bradley Cooper of Wall Street. He's super powerful. Everyone knows his name. He does the coolest, newest, interesting things, gathers new audiences. I would put him in that category. And it was interesting there because I don't think the panel who was largely made up of these like tech or artist type people, I don't think they really knew his power there. And I was sort of like, guys, Mike could buy everyone in this room like 10 times over, including Quentin. He would be more powerful than him on a financial scale at a minimum. So that was interesting watching those two worlds collide and props to Mike for getting up there and, you know, getting in the game, getting kind of scrappy. Now, Quentin is just through and through an old world guy. He doesn't care. He like was probably in a Gap shirt and I have a very funny picture on my Instagram. I hope everybody goes to look at. You'll know what I mean. He's just totally like that guy and there and like, I don't know, having like a whole building trying to like get your attention would be a crazy feeling to have. So then the event folded and everyone kind of like zoofed, like, like tried to get right in there with Quentin. I was in the front row, so I got a really quick handshake and then I was like pushed back by like the cameras and the people. It was like very overwhelming. So before I left, I walked right over to Mike Novogratz. I'm like, I am going to officially ask this guy in person to come on the show because I really want him to talk to you guys about Bitcoin, what he sees for the future of it, etc. And he gave me his card. He said, cake for breakfast. I like that. So hopefully we'll have him on soon. We'll see. 
great night. Uh, there was tons of events. I have to go back today. Again, I'm covering, I guess Busta Rhymes is doing an NFT or talking on it. And then Gary Vaynerchuk has a party tonight that I will maybe slide by and attend. And again, I say what I said about him, but having him on the show would be an honor. And with all this NFT stuff, guys, like people are like, oh, what's its value? What's its worth? Even everybody on that panel, they're like, be safe with your money, right? This could be something or this couldn't be something. Everyone sort of does what I always do on the show. Like, do not trade on my advice, but here is what I'm doing. They're saying, do not do not put your, don't sell your house on this, but this is what I could offer the right buyer. And it's really all going to come down to market demand. Cause at one point I was like, are NFTs trying to become the new payment? Like, are they trying to come in as the new Bitcoin? But I think they're more like the bougie lifestyle add on like, Oh, I could buy an NFT. That's like, Oh, I could buy a Ferrari. Like that sort of thing. I don't really at this point look at them as like, Oh, uh, NFT is comparable to owning a home. It has that sort of financial stability. I would disagree with that. You just got to be thinking of what people are going to be doing. Right. Do you think right now as a homeowner, you would take Bitcoin in form of payment? Like I wouldn't, if I was in that position, like I don't feel like it's there yet. So but it sounds like that's where this thing is starting to go based on, you know, the excitement around it. And also things like the mayor of Miami said that he's going to be taking his salary entirely on Bitcoin. Like, that's interesting. And, and then Aaron Rodgers, too, he said he's going to take some of his salary on Bitcoin. That shows two guys, you know, they have that money to play with, but you need people like that to move the industry. And it sounds like they're both trying to do that. One thought I did have is this conference, this NFT conference must have made a ton of money. Like I wondered if they're paying Quentin and people like that to come or Quentin had something to sell. So it was worthwhile for him to be there. But yeah, I was just wondering about that because from the outside, it look it looks like a very profitable business to be in based on just the demand. Okay, now today I'm going to run like a Tuesday show since we had, I know it was a short interview, but we had an interview on Tuesday and I just had a lot to say on that NFT conference. So let's get through some headlines. All right, for our first story today, you know, we've got to cover the literal news that is Quentin Tarantino, who's going to be selling seven NFTs. So he announced on Tuesday that he's going to be auctioning off seven uncut scenes from Pulp Fiction, you know, that famous movie from back in the day as NFTs, non-fungible tokens. He's also gonna be including original handwritten scripts from the film and exclusive audio commentary from, you know, Tarantino himself. And he is compelling to listen to, I definitely will say that. Everything's gonna be auctioned off on NFT marketplace OpenSea. I believe that was the guy who was actually escorting him to the private talk that took place. So yeah, I mean, he was talking about, that was the point of this like intimate gathering. I'm sorry, the language, some of these types of groups use is a little much for me, but I respect it. Look, I was the one trying to get there and be in that. I just think that the wording is funny. It's sort of like an uncoupling, like a fancy word for fancy people. But he was talking about those scripts, which I think sound really cool. And he was really selling us on like, the only people who see my scripts are myself and my typist. Like he talked a lot about this typist and again, like Tarantino's an old school guy, like probably like works with method actors. Like he's just, he's amazing. Like I said it before, I love just being in someone like that's presence. It's very cool to watch them operate, I guess. I don't think I've even seen this movie. I'm like, I'm such a cinephile and I've never seen Pulp Fiction. 
maybe, but just a little too much before my time. Anyway, people are very excited because it's this movie. I think he's just opened up an industry, though. It's like everyone's saying, there's no way Quentin Tarantino's going to sell out and do a Netflix deal. There's no way. There's no way. And you know what? In reality, this guy's a pretty progressive dude. Like, he's open to the pivot. He's the first guy to do this, to think of new ways to capitalize on his work, which is so valuable. So all in all, cool. Will I be bidding on any of those? No. If I find out I'm at a party in Hollywood and someone owns, like, say, an, uh, uh, an NFT from Pulp Fiction, I will be dying to see it. I love, like, the cool, but yeah, maybe I should just watch the movie. Okay, I'm going to quickly cover a sports story today, but only because it's pretty juicy, kind of tragic, but, like, there's a lot going on. So I really stopped paying attention to like sports and NHL after I left home. So I can't really speak to this guy. I don't know anything about him. I don't follow that world, but his name is Evander Kane. Anyway, I guess he was suspended from the NHL for 21 games because he submitted a fake vaccine card to his team, the San Jose Sharks. I mean, it is happening. I've heard of people buying fakes in the lower east side of Manhattan, you know, like by Canal lower there where they're selling like the fake where you can buy the fake bags. Anyway, he is in some like super nasty divorce and his wife is coming out saying that he's a gambling addict. And then he said, no, you're the gambling addict. And then during the proceedings, she would go so far as to say like he would purposely throw games like so intense just for their gambling. I could be wrong, but I feel like didn't something happen with Wayne Gretzky's wife back in the day? Like, wasn't she entangled in something with like Michael Jordan and and other superstars? I remember those headlines, but I could be wrong. I think I'm right though. Anyway, so even more drama is that he was just seen for the first time going through LAX airport. They were like catching a casual Delta flight, it looked like. Like just, if he's this much in demand, I was surprised he was so out there. But he was with this model who he's been on and off with since 2010. I say model lightly, she looks like an Instagram influencer, but definitely has the big lips, the the nice bag, the like aloe workout outfit, like that kind of bag, super expensive handbag, super expensive shoes. Look, I guess they were like on and off. Um, yeah, over the past 10 plus years, then in 2018, he just got married to this girl he met and they had a baby together, but oh my gosh. So he actually had to get a restraining order against his now estranged wife. So she filed that he abused her and then, and their daughter, Keniston, And then he filed back at her and actually won a restraint. I mean, she's probably going crazy. They have a one-year-old in the house. It sounds, this sounds extremely high tension, extremely high stress. Oh, wow. So in his divorce filing, he claimed that he owed a $1.5 million gambling debt. So maybe he, maybe he did something happen in these games. He did get cleared. They were cleared in like 2020 or 2021 of ever doing this. So that no one was ever charged, but Wow. So much going on there. I guess Aaron Rodgers, too. He did not get... He just tested positive for COVID. He didn't get vaccinated either. I thought everyone got vaccinated. I thought, like, every... People, like, at this celebrity level, I thought everyone was vaccinated, but apparently not. The cake here, I feel like people need to settle down. He needs to talk to his wife. There just sounds like there is so much tension and so much stress, and I hope everybody can sort of, like, yeah tone it down a little bit. So yeah, tone it down. Sometimes women go crazy when you don't call. Like sometimes I will get so mad when my boyfriend isn't calling me. Like it'll make me matter and matter and matter. And it's maybe that's what's happening here. Like maybe she's, he's left. Like she probably said something happened. She threatened him. Maybe he left. 
And then she, all she wants him to do is to come back. But he is sort of like, oh, she obviously crossed some line. I don't know. I hope they're okay. This feels, this feels like a level of stress that no one wants in their life. Okay, now quick update on the Alec Baldwin case. So reports are coming out from the below the staff line people. Those are like the camera operators. Like think of manual labor type, the people doing the sets, like setting everything up. And they're coming out saying, oh, the set conditions were so awful, like really blaming, you know, the the small employee blaming the big employee. Well, Alec Baldwin slapped back this week and and tweeted like, he came back saying, this is such b****. They're complaining because their hotel wasn't nice enough. Like enough is enough. Now, there's a lot here I find interesting for several reasons. Number one, we're sort of in the time of like the employee cries, the senior employee has to, you know, make them feel better. And Alec has always kind of been a little verbal about controversial stuff, especially this, I would even say. Like he's been, I can't think of a particular, but he's not the type of guy like running around giving warm hugs. He's he's aggressive. But him pushing back on that. And it's, and maybe it's true. Like they were complaining about, you know, maybe they were at a Ramada and they wanted the Hyatt. I don't know. They didn't list what the hotels were, but he's coming out saying like, no, this is not true. They were treated just fine. And these are some of the best, um, producers I've ever worked with. There definitely is this territory split. Like I say, above and below the line, the below the line people, like I said, operators, manual labor, the people without the money above the line, producers, actors, everyone with all the money. And what I don't like is everybody's starting to point the finger at the 25 year old, 24 year old armorer girl. And Alec has money, influence, power. I think he's made right by Helena's husband somehow because he just seemed to grab Alec's side right away. And there's an unfair balance here, right? The the camera crew people, they don't have that power, money, influence that Alec Baldwin has. But I think, again, like we talked about on Tuesday's show, everyone's pretty freaked out right now because the New Mexico police keep saying there's no charges laid yet, but there will be. Dun, dun, dun. All right, you guys, you know I am always pushing better help on you. I think it's the greatest. It's definitely a must-have. For whoever you are, it's a great online therapy service. So is there something interfering with your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals? Mine is always either my anxiety or I have sort of like OCD around other things and therapy really helps calm my mind. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. Now, BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas. This service is available for clients worldwide, so no matter where you live, you can access BetterHelp. And you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as you do with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. They make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. So if you don't like your person, you are not stuck with them. There's also no awkward in changing who you're using and the person like doesn't find out you're good. 
It's way more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. I want you guys to visit their website, read the testimonials that are posted daily. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Cake for Breakfast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash cake, C-A-K-E. All right, now the play of the day, I've been missing this one because I definitely watch, try and get like the best show each week to watch. It's my form of reading and I haven't had this in the Thursday show lately, so let's go. I've got Dope Sick on Hulu for you guys. I really think this is a very important show to see, to watch, to understand. It's about the Oxycontin crisis in America and it's a great firsthand look at like the players in the game, what transpired, how the business model worked. And it's sort of a representation of what's amazing about America and what's terrible about America and like sort of the same strain. What's amazing about America is opportunity, less red tape, more room for growth. Like you can do anything. It's all about like, you know, making making your dreams come true. The dark side is sometimes greed, wealth, um, selfishness overtake like what's good for people, right? And what's and that's the situation of what happened with the Sackler family. They tried to create something that would remove pain from patients and ultimately with their like aggressive sales tactics, this pharmaceutical company destroyed pockets of America that were too weak to fight back. Michael Keaton stars in this. He gets a little cheesy at the very end, but I think he does a fantastic job. He wouldn't be one of my favorite actors. I probably would have cast Aaron Eckhart in this role. I would have liked sort of a stronger man to play that character, but really, really well done. And it's not the type of movie that's like, I don't like stuff that's uncomfortable or I feel like I have to turn it off. There's not really a slow moment in this show, but there's not a super fast moment either. And it's not like made where it has you go and go and go in each episode. It's sort of it's sort of an interesting enough storyline that you can watch it as your focus show before you go to bed, but you need more focus than to be like listening to it while you shop. All right, guys, I am off. I'm back to the conference. Wish me luck with Busta Rhymes. Also, guess who's rumored to be here? Miss Reese Witherspoon herself. I have my ear to the floor. I will do everything I can to get an interview with her. Obviously, that would be a tough one, but I'll do my best for you guys. Have a great day. Please send the show along to your friends. I would love all the support I can get right now. And I look forward to seeing you guys back here next Thursday. Have a great day. And Cake for Breakfast, subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Bye for now.